It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball and hockey playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track the results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Pretty boy. Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 107 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Sunday, crazy weekend. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. Um, Thank you for tuning in to the Sunday rant episode, whatever this is. Shit show Sunday, whatever we want to call it. Um... Normally, I actually record these on, on Friday after work, but, uh, of course, classic, uh, Shaw, I'm about ready to record. I had Alec all lined up to do it, and I had no internet for about eight hours. Came back on at like three in the morning. So thank you, Shaw Cable. But, uh, so we, uh, I, I just got off the phone with Alec and we recorded. Um, but before I get into all that, uh, I want to thank everybody who, uh, tuned into the, uh, Riley Emerson, um, five toughest opponents series. Riley's a great guest. Again, I encourage everybody to go back, listen to my full length, uh, interview that I did with Riley. We go over his entire career. Um, he was a lot of fun to talk with and, and I like to bring the guys back. And I always, every once in a while, I like to do those, your five toughest opponents series. Um, I've done it with Riley now. Um, Josh Mazur, Chris Graff, Dean Mayrad. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy doing that. Sean McMorrow as well. Um, so it's kind of like something to do, get the guys back on and, uh, and kind of do that. So, uh, um, and, and to be completely honest, guys, it's like, I'm really, if a regular listener knows, I mean, you're rolling your eyes, but I'm in the process of moving right now. We were doing how we did condo. We we're doing some renovations to our condo. Uh, we got everything packed up. It's ready to show the photographer guys coming on Monday and it's getting listed on Tuesday. So everybody out there listening, please cross your fingers and, uh, 
and hopefully I can we can sell this. Pl- I will sell it, but hopefully we you know we don't uh, don't get killed too bad. I know the markets, eh. condo market around here isn't very good, but uh, all it takes is one, right? So hopefully we can get our get our money and uh, and and head on down the road. And we have a um, a house set up, uh, a verbally agreed upon that we're, we're we got first dibs on it. So the house is kind of. They're waiting for us to sell, and then we're going there. So the fourth line offices are getting improved, and uh, we're heading out to Martinsville, actually. So, uh, which is just a, it's basically a suburb of Saskatoon, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, big house, and uh, gonna gonna have lots of space for my stuff, all my junk. I've already I've already got a room assigned that I'm gonna put all my stuff in, and uh, that'll basically be the podcasting office, and I can have everything set up and out, and. Uh, because a lot of my stuff, even when I moved into the condo, I just kept packed away and it was in my parents' basement. So uh, I'm actually I'm looking really forward to revisiting that stuff because it's been like 13 years. So um, I'm sure there's shit that I forgot I even owned. But uh, So I'm really looking forward to getting all that stuff out. I'm sure my wife is just thrilled, but she'll have a whole bunch of other rooms to, uh, to fill up with all our stuff. So we're each sort of taking a room because we don't, we don't have kids, right? So it's just my wife and I. So, uh, we're each sort of taking a, a room and kind of designating it for our own and our own caves, what have you. And, uh, yeah, so we're really, we're really looking forward to it. Like I said, it's a new adventure into our, uh, into in a different, it'll be different. I said, Oh shit, I'm gonna have to actually buy a lawnmower and stuff like that. I mean, it's been, I laughed. I said, Jesus, it's probably been, you know, 15 years since I mowed a lawn, you know, living in an apartment first in a condo. I mean, I didn't have to do that stuff. So yeah, so it'll be obviously a lot more work in the house. You know, you're always doing something, but uh, we're really looking forward to it. And, uh, and, uh, and well, and even when I'm laughing, even when I'm doing my little piece here with Alec, um, of course the, the neighbor uh, across the courtyard got to fire up his leaf blower for the 18th time today already. Um, you know, and of course you can kind of hear that and there's always noises. And even this morning, I mean, it's nice out. It's where the windows open when we're sleeping and, you know, and it's a lot of old people around here. So, of course, they're up at like five in the morning, right? So, seven in the morning, they're out in the courtyard talking and the dogs are barking. And, yeah, so, I mean, it'll be nice to, I always said I'd hate to be a shift worker and live around here. But, uh, yeah, so, look at me, first world problems over here. But, uh, no, anyway, we're just looking to it, looking forward to moving and the new adventure and, uh, and, uh, and, I just want to get all my stuff back out. I'll do a little, I'll do a little video room tour of the place after I get everything set up, but, uh, looking forward to it. But anyway, my point, point is, um, yeah, it's been really tough to kind of maintain a, uh, a two podcast schedule, two episodes a week schedule when you're trying to move and everything else. So, um, I don't want to say I've mailed in episodes cause that's not true, but, uh, or the guys were afterthoughts that I'm getting or whatever, but it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, it's Monday and I got to do an episode on Wednesday. And I mean, if it was just me talking and doing solo episodes, I could do these all day. That's, that's easy. But I know people don't want to listen to me all the time. Do rant episodes. So I always like to do Wednesday interview day, Sunday rant day. So I don't want to keep doing just rants all the time. I mean, I could, but I don't want to. So, um, I'm sort of uh, scrambling for guys. And then plus, at the same time, let's be completely honest. Of course, it's going into playoffs time now. Um, I think today's the first playoff game. Um, and this, you know, I mean, I have my loyal listeners and I appreciate it, guys. I really do. But I, I, there's a lot of people that I think are in and out of the podcasting of my listens. And and I think you kind of get lost amongst the, the noise of the playoffs and everything else. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I think, um, and I don't want to say I'm going to, I don't want to, 
No, I'm not going to say that. It would blow my big guess. Or I don't want to do that. I'm not saying that. Um, but uh, I don't mean it that way. But um, I think right now, as the as just as the playoffs are going on and we're in that transition of moving and packing and everything, um, I think you're definitely going to get shorter episodes, and uh, you might get a little more a little more of me for the next little while. Um, you know, because everybody's sort of busy. So uh, once kind of the fall comes and we're in the house and uh, unpacked and life is uh, back to normal, then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm this fall and into the winter, um, you know, late kind of that September, October, November, um, I think I'm going to really ramp things up. I have a few ideas for what I'm going to do with the show and stuff, and uh, we'll really start rocking and rolling then. But, uh, um, yeah, in the meantime, right now it's uh, – I'm I'm swinging here. I I don't I'm grabbing for anything. So if I I've got a couple guys that I've talked to and they're like I'll get back to you, man. And so I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't and but uh, we'll see what happens here. But anyway, let's get on with the show. Six minutes and I'm blah 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 blah. Okay. Well, today um, is I had initially I had asked. Actually, I'll do my intro first. Of course, I'm on the Hockey Podcast Network. Over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So, of course, the playoff teams, uh, those guys are going to be really busy now getting amped up for the playoffs and lots of stuff to talk about. So, um, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. As well as the, the network has really um, branched off lately and really trying to do other things. They have a you know mental health, a life after hockey. Hell, they got a cooking show. I mean, there's lots of stuff on the network revolving on the game of hockey. So definitely check that stuff out. Um, for my off-network friends, of course, old Jolton Joe Lazito. Give me the Lazito out in uh, out in New York. He's an Islander and Forester-based podcast. Joe's had great guests from Fakota to Eric Bolton. Um, just had Rod Dalman on. Um, it was great. I love to listen to the old PA stuff. Um, yeah, Joe does a great job. Been around. Um, you know, he helped out on the Stan Fisher Bad Boys books for my older, my older listeners that remember those Bad Boys books. What are there four of them? Yeah, Joe was a big contributor to that, as well as those hockey star, tough guy, uh, yearly magazines. Joe, uh, did the rankings and stuff like that. And as I go on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig out some of those magazines and we'll go over those rankings from the 90s. We'll give Joe, we'll get Joe a bunch of heat, uh, all over again. Oh, Joe used to take shit on those message boards over the rankings back in the day. So, uh, but we'll definitely, uh, definitely do that. And Joe's, uh, like I said, Joe's selling merch. Joe, Joe's an empire out there. Everywhere you go, everyone is talking about Lazito. Uh, he's got a face on, on coffee mugs and pens and rubber pucks, rubbers, rubber pucks. And, uh, oh yeah, no, he's got a picture of puck. You name it, Joe's got a slapping his face on it. So, uh, yeah, and Joe's a great dude. And, uh, Joe, when I when I got all my shit, I got I got your stuff. Uh, I'm gonna mail some of it here shortly this week, and then the rest of it will come when I everything's packed right now. So when I unpack everything, I'll get it to you. But uh, where's my little angry Lazito? He's got to be around here somewhere. But um, I'll I'll get it to you. But uh, definitely check out Joe's show, Coliseum Chronicles. He does a great job. Uh, definitely check out his back catalog. Um, yeah, you will definitely won't be disappointed. Joe knows his shit, and um, you know, him and I, we structure our interviews very, very much the same. We're kind of really in depth and, you know, you know, where'd you start playing junior and blind and go all the way through, right? Really timeline a guy's career. So, um, yeah. So if you want to know about a guy, there you go. Definitely check out Joe's show. Um, as well, 
Dan, Paul, and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck Show, and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Show. A couple current hockey shows. Those guys will be busy now with the playoffs starting, um, although Dan's probably still bemoaning his, his flyers. But um, as always, it's been a tough go. But uh, though they keep track of it. It's a couple current shows that I listen to. I know, crazy, right? But I always, like I always say, I know my brother rolls his eyes every time I say this, but I always, it's true. I listen to them so I don't have to watch, but I stay informed. So I know what y'all, you crazy kids are talking about on the social medias, on the Twitters and the Facebooks, but, um, on the Google machine, I know what's going on, but, uh, definitely check those guys out. They talk about, like, like I said, NHL minors, junior, everything, women's hockey, they, uh, you know, whatever's topical at the, at the, at that time. Um, but a great show. And, and I've always said with, uh, with, with the Obey the Puck guy, with Dan and them, um, Dan was actually, that was the very first show I was ever on was the Obey the Puck show. So maybe we can all blame Dan for this. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And I've always, I always appreciated that. And when I wanted to start, he really helped me out, get, uh, you know, set up and stuff like that. So I've always definitely appreciated all the help that Dan's done for me over the years. And, uh, as well as William over at the biscuit. Um, I know I don't mention William, uh, I here and there, and it's certainly not on purpose, but, um, uh, again, I've been on his show, oh geez, five or six times. And, uh, I know we're setting, William, I know I was listening. I got to set, we got to set something up and get you on. You're a busy dude. Um, but, uh, with all those crazy kids and everything running around trying to, uh, uh, book a time, but, uh, between my schedule and his right now, it's a little rough, but yeah, I definitely want to get William on the show. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about, some uh, podcasting gossip and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, William's a good dude over at the biscuit. So check his stuff out. He's been around. Geez, a few years now. He was at 200 and some episodes. So, yeah, he uh, he's definitely committed and, and been around. So, check those shows out. But, okay, guys. Um, yeah. Here we are, right? And, um... Uh, oh my, I got some noises in my headphones here. Um, yeah, what I did uh, for this episode, um, it's an LNH... And like I said, you can have different guests on. I've had LNH players on from Mayrad and Swanson and all those guys. Um, and I love talking to the Kopech uh, and Cefalo and them. I love talking to the Quebec League guys that get their stories. And just a crazy time period in hockey, right, that obviously we'll never see again. And it's amazing when you look back on it now that all that happened. It was just like, oh, my God. But, um, you know, you get different guys on or different, like Alec was a big fan and Searson's a big fan. And, you know, and I was on Bobby Longgrass's show talking about my top 10 of the LNAH and, uh, you know, and you get all the different, you know, fan perspective and player perspective and, and everybody's got different lists and whatever. And I know you guys really dig the list because I've seen the download numbers, but, um, I wanted to get sort of like a definitive list where, you know, you can you actually talk to a, a bunch of, not just two or three. So I sent out almost, I, I got almost 50 people from ex-players to fans. Um, so some of the real diehard fans to, you know, um, like knowledgeable fans of the league, you know. And there's a couple guys I asked, they're like, dude, I just don't know enough. And they didn't do it. But, and that's fine. But, um, and some guys are really serious about it. They're like, okay, is this the Quebec League or the LNH? Is this, see? I'm like, it's both. Okay. You know, they took some time. And I'll get back to you. There was a couple guys that took a few days and really worked on their list, which I was, A, I appreciated. And I was actually going to do this episode last week, but of course then the whole Wilson thing happened. So I was like, well, I got to talk about that. So, um, yeah, like I said, I got um, uh, ex-players. So, and uh, so these guys fought these guys. 
And then I brought in, uh, and then I got the fans. And I got, like I said, about 50 people. And uh, I had a, a, a point system because everybody sent in different lists. And it's like, okay, if they raked him number one, I gave him 10 points. This guy number two, I gave him eight points. Blah, blah, blah. It was a whole, I was doing math out my ass here, calculations and PowerPoints and uh, bar graphs, pie graphs. We had it all going on over here. Broke it down, got my mathematical form. I was doing analytics over here, guys. Um, and, uh, I came out with a definitive top 10 and there's a few guys just outside the top 10 by like a point or two. So, uh, and everything, like I said, it was about the top three guys were pretty cemented. Um, the number one guy was pretty much the number one on everyone's list. But, uh, after that it was sort of flip flopping and all over, but I think you guys will be uh, not shocked with the little like, oh, that guy, but no, but maybe in the order or whatever, but it was a really fun thing to do. I really want to thank everybody that took the time to send their list back. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate the feedback. It's always great when you can go to the, the Facebook community, um, the enforcer page and my page as well. And, and, uh, and, and throw a questionnaire out and you, and you immediately get responses, which is, which is cool. Cause then it also means that people are reading and giving a shit. So that I, I definitely appreciate that. So that was a lot of fun. So this is sort of a, uh, definitely a, 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 a much more, um, a bigger pool to ask. So, uh, a bigger, uh, what do they call it? A sample size. There's the word I'm looking for. It was a bigger sample size than just, oh, I get Alec on. He and I, I mean, we, he and I could talk about the LNH all night or myself and Searson or whatever. So, uh, although, and we're trying to convert Jay and Iowa, I, I got him some DVDs, so we're working on him. But, um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun, uh, to do this list. And like I said, anytime I have a chance to talk about the old LNH, I, I'll definitely, uh, <coughs> pardon me, uh, do that. So, but, um, yeah, so. Before I get into Alec, because Alec and I talk, we breaked it. I wanted to have him on to talk about it, and I threw the list. I didn't tell him ahead of time, and uh, I read the list off to him, and we kind of talked about each guy and a little blurb on each thing. And a little blurb, I think we're on there for about 45 minutes, so I won't I won't talk too long on here. But uh, before we get going, I, I, I have to revisit the Wilson thing one more time. I know everyone's like, oh my God, I'm fast-forwarding. Don't fast-forward. This is more just, it came up on my feed. And I didn't talk about it during the Wilson thing. And it was basically the Hockey Night in Canada panel talking about it. And, you know, so you got McLean, you got Rudy, J- uh, Jennifer Botterell, and Kevin Bieksev. And I will say, when Bieksev's the only one that has any cred... Now, before I say any credibility, he's the only one that actually fought in hockey. Like, I know Jennifer Botterell, she's won, like, three Olympic gold medals and a silver medal. She was an outstanding women's hockey player, without a doubt. Um, so I'm not taking that away from her, but how many fights was she ever in? Um, she never played in a league with contact. Like, so this isn't in her realm. Kelly Rudy was a goalie. So he never was in a fight and McLean was a referee. So PXF is the only one that could actually comment on the actual fighting part of it. And then the, the, the Ranger response and blah, blah, blah. And I, the thing that bothered me with Botterill is you had your say on the panel and whatever, and I'm going to play her little 20-second nauseating, eye-rolling statement. But when BXF was talking about why it was needed, whatever, oh, she's shifting and rolling her eyes and everything else. Like, if I was BXF off-air, I'd be like, are you fucking for real? Like, you know, show some respect. This guy played the NHL for how, for over, a, you know, 10 years, did it and everything else. He listened to you. Now, when he starts talking, you, you have the, you disrespect by rolling your eyes and whatever. Did you not, you probably didn't think the camera was on her. And it was just like, it was really, um, yeah. Like if he had done that to you, 
Oh, I can imagine the internet outrage. Oh, he's mansplaining and every other bullshit that comes out with all this PC horse shit. And I, I respect Botterill for what she played, what she did. I'm not taking anything away from her hockey talent. But this, they don't have fighting and physical play in women's hockey. Like, yeah, physical, but you know what I'm saying. There's no fighting or any of this stuff going on. Not, you know what I'm saying. So, for her to, I don't know, it was in your, but here, I'm going to play this for you. Here, I, I, I'm going to hold my phone up, but here, we'll listen to this for a sec. The second element that's a concern is the growth of the game. The NHL is the gold standard for the game of hockey, and they want to grow the game globally. So if you're a family or kids watching this game, you dream about those big moments of, of making a great play or a big save or scoring the winning goal. You don't dream about being in these moments after the whistles or these violent um, behaviors. So if they're thinking about growing the game and they want parents to pick this sport to put their kids in, they need to have stronger discipline. The second element that's a Okay, could you be further out in the weeds? Are you serious? Grow the game. Ever since Gretzky got traded to LA, the game has grown in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It was 10 times more violent than the Disney Disney on Ice bullshit they got going now. So first of all, what are you talking about? They grew. The game has grown every year. And it was way more violent. So I don't know what you're talking about. So, okay. Secondly, when it comes to fighting and everything else, 98% of the kids watching aren't going to play in a league that has fighting anyway. They're not going to make junior. So what are we doing? I said, hell, most of them are going to play in hockey without even, they'll never even play contact hockey. Now, that could be argued whether that's good or bad or whatever, but I know here, I don't think hitting starts until Bantam, and even then, I believe it's Tier 1. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think so. I think it's basically the elite Tier 1. At that point, those kids will get drafted in the Bantam draft or play Junior A or what have you. Like, they're they're kind of the, obviously, the skilled, the elite ones. You know, the travel teams and what have you. You know, so they'll get into with contact and fighting once they get to Junior. You know, um, so, to like, you're just... Like, just stop. Like, oh, this is just isn't growing the game. Like, you know what's stunting the growth of hockey? And they're like, oh, numbers are down and whatever. Well, yeah, it's because a goddamn hockey stick costs $300. Skates are $1,000. And when they're growing up, what do their feet grow like? you got to buy a new pair of skates every every year. Registration to play. Like, somebody was saying their kid was playing, was it AAA or whatever? It was $10,000. Or then, oh, to keep up, you got to send them to the elite hockey school, which is, you know, $1,000 a session or what have you. And it's like, no, it's the price that's keeping people out of the game. Like before, it was a pair of skates were always kind of expensive. You could get shoulder pads and whatever and a $20, you know, coho. And, you know, I think registration for the for the local 300 bucks or whatever and off you went. And I know when my, my brother was playing AAA and my parents worked a couple bingos and paid it off. And it was, it was a couple thousand dollars. I wasn't saying though it was for free, but it was a couple thousand, but it was ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Like people aren't taking second jobs for their kids to play back then. Like they have to now. So you want to talk about what's not, what's killing the growth of the game. It's the cost of things. Oh, the violence. Oh God. No, it's a rich person sport now. That's what's killing the game. The growth of it is the cost. 
sort of sit there and blame old Wilson and the scrum, and then, oh, they had to fight the next day, and that's that's what, kids don't want to see that, oh, yeah, okay. Like I said, they're not going to be playing. When you, every kid that played, they put their helmets on and go and play, they're not like, oh, I watched Hockey Net Canada last night, and I saw Ryan Reeves dummy some guy, so I'm going to do that in our house league game tomorrow. Get it out of your head. Like, quit. You're You're so trying to push the narrative so hard. That, oh, it's like, you're so out in the weeds. Reach. Keep reaching. You try so hard. But you just, it's so pathetic. Like, you're just gaslight. You're just whistleblowing. You know? And it's just like, it's a bunch of nothing. You can tell the game is growing. Austin Matthews, the first overall pick. He's from Arizona. So the game has grown. Because I can tell you, growing up, when I, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there was no one from Arizona that was going to be a first overall pick. You know, so, the Gretzky going to L.A. exploded things. Because that's what all was in a roll. Not even just NHL guys, but like the roller hockey scene and blah, blah, blah. And the expansion of San Jose and Tampa Bay and everything. It's because of, L- of Gretzky going to L.A. and the market and everything else. No, it would, you know, and oh, and to think, oh, the more violent, the better. So you could sit there and, again, we've gone on and on about this. Red ice sells, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, if it's violent, people won't come. Oh, okay. Like, just bleeding heart bullshit. Like, it's like reading the hockey news. Like, they actually, but they've worked themselves into this delusion that they think it's what they're, they think that's real. That violence doesn't sell. They think it's, that's the real reason. That that's why the numbers aren't growing because of, you see stuff on the internet and Tom Wilson and all that. And that's what's keeping kids out of the game because it's scaring them. Oh, yeah. that Okay. Oh, you just try so hard. No, so for her to come out and say that shit was just... It was so backwards. And like, yeah, that's your opinion. Whatever. But you're so far off of the, out in the cart. You're off. You're not even on the cart path, for God's sake. So, whatever. Just reading that, just listening to that was so eye-rolling. And everyone had to say, I salute you, my queen. And, oh, God. And like I said, it's, it, it, I said every one of them's under, under 24 years old. And I said, they're wearing toques and giving the peace sign and drinking a white claw in their profile picture. Yeah, they, they know. Yeah, okay. God, give it a rest. But no, I just thought the way she was kind of acting when, when BXF was talking was just so disrespectful. And if I was BXF, I definitely would have been saying something, you know, after off air. I would have handled it off air, of course, but no, cause I could see if, if he had done that when she was talking. Um, yeah, the internet would have blown up and how he was such a rude asshole and whatever. So I'm like, you know, at the same time, I think some of these people, you know, um, you know, that are flapping their, their lips and talking stupid should be held accountable just like everyone else. But, I don't know. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people getting passes these days because no one wants to offend. But it's like you know, you know, if you're uh, and it's not like I don't. You know, it's oh because what she said is whatever, and you know, kick her off the air. I'm not saying that. I just think her general attitude about it was just, you know, whatever. I didn't. I didn't appreciate it watching it. I was just kind of eye rolling, and uh, because I know because a lot of pe- there's a lot of hypocrites. And the hypocrite, and the, and they're all oh how great it was. But if BX had acted like that, they would have been, you know, lighting their phones on fire. So, you know, got to be both ways. People aren't these days, you know. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you, get you in a mood. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get on with my Quebec League. 
Um, all right, guys, I'm going to, uh, I've, I've, I pre-recorded this with Alec. We go down the top 10 as voted by you, the listeners and followers and, uh, and, um, watchers of the LNAH. So, but before that, uh, fourth line voice on Twitter and Facebook, send me a friend's request for a follow, what have you check it out. Always putting pictures and everything up. And I'd love to hear from you guys. Love to hear your feedback on things as well. The GoFundMe, the drop your gloves completely stalled out guys. We, we need to rejuvenate this, get it jump-started. This is brutal. We're at about halfway there. About, um, like I said, there's only been about 65 donations. Guys, if everybody put in a dollar, we'd have this built beyond it by now. You know, so any I know times are tough, but for those that can afford it and whatever, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it all helps. Um, you're on social media. I'm sure we're running in the same circle. So you've seen Steve putting it out there. You've seen the link. Joe tweets it every day. Alec has put it out. I've put it out. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about or you're not in social media, hockeyfights at hotmail.com, all lowercase. Send me an email. Ask me, hey, Darren, what's going on with this? I want to contribute. I'll send you the link and you can do it that way. It's a GoFundMe to try to get the Drop Your Gloves website back up, but bigger and better than ever, run by fight fans, and uh, it would be awesome. And I really want to see it happen. And uh, we were going good. We had some good momentum, and now it just seems like it's stalled. Like there hasn't been a donation in like five days. And, uh, yeah, guys, come on, let's go here. Uh, anything helps. And, uh, and like I said, I know there's a lot of you, I saw you on social media crying that drop your gloves is gone. And I, and I'm not seeing your list on the, I'm not seeing your name on the donation list. So that's actually really, come on, you know, like I said, everybody can bitch and moan, but when it comes time for, to make a donation, everyone's got alligator arms. So, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be a fortune. People have tried different fundraisers. I was selling Probert pictures. Might try to bring up some other pictures to sell. Hopefully that helps. We're, we're trying a bunch of different things here, guys. So I really hope people will give. And I, like I said, I know times are hard. No one's saying to give hundreds of dollars, but 20 bucks, 10 bucks. Just go without a coffee for a couple of days. You don't have to go to Tim Hortons every day. Or maybe for a week, just the change you get from Tim Hortons. And then at the end of the week, hey, it's five or six bucks. Hey, whatever. It's five or six bucks. Why not? So, yes, definitely check that out. Please give. Uh, like I said, Fourth Line Voice, Twitter, Facebook. is definitely on YouTube. Over 2,500 fights on my YouTube channel. Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, yeah, subscribe to the channel. Check it out. Uh, I got all the leagues, everything sorted from junior to pro. Whatever league you're looking for, type it in the little search thing. Boom, it'll come up. Whatever league. So definitely check it out. Go check out the LNH stuff after we're done talking about it. Um, yeah, whoever you're looking for, I definitely have a few of their fights. And uh, I'm always uploading different fights. Throughout the week, I'll, I'll try to get upload some new stuff on there. So hit the little notification whenever I put a fight up. Actually, I just pulled out a Utah disc. Thank you, Chris. I'm going to put it in. It was the year Sigroin Kanopka with the Utah Grizzlies. I believe it's 0304. Or is it 0405? It's right around that area. Um, I'm going to about to go through it here after I'm done recording. And I'll, I'll have some Sigroin fights coming up here from Utah. So... Uh, definitely check it out. But uh, all right, let's get done yapping. Let's get at it. Um, here is Alec and I breaking down the fan player voting for the top 10 of the LNH. All right, guys, thanks, and we'll, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, here on the fourth line voice, my LNH segment. I am, I'm bringing in the heavy hitters for this episode. Uh, the man, the myth, Alec from the Five for Fighting podcast. Alec, how are you doing today? Good. You must be hurting for guests if you're fucking scrounging up my ass to do a podcast with you on a Saturday. 
We're setting the bar so low you can step over it. Yeah, with, uh, <laughs> hard times here. But I, but I know I was going to get you on as a a fellow LNH aficionado. I know you're a big fan of the league. Yeah, well, I got you to blame for that because I mean I'd seen videos of it forever ago, and you know was kind of into it a little bit, and then uh, for, through your fucking podcast account years ago on Twitter and. Um, seeing you post videos of it or pictures really got me into it. And I think I got you and uh, old John out in the UK to blame for just adding fuel to the fire there and uh, making me a big, big Quebec league fan. Well, yeah, but you're above me. You got like jerseys and shit. You're, you've gone a step further than the rest of us have. Well, you and Searson, you both have. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, Searson's yeah, Searson's just as guilty. He's probably yeah. got more than I do. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm jealous of you, you guys got. Yeah. I mean, you got some cool shit, man. Yeah, no, I got some got some good ones in there. I got uh, the sugged in home and away set for uh, 07 for the Chiefs. I got a couple Swanson jerseys. I think the the white whale pair is the Morasti uh, Sorrell Tracy mission from like the the first either the first or second year he was there. I think the I think it's from the first year. It was right when they switched from like the old they they had three logos. It was like the weird Western like yeah. super long mustache cowboy. The yeah. Gates was there. Then they switched it over to the the better logo. But that's the one I got, and then I got a Link Gates, um, Granby Predators one, and that one's probably probably the biggest one I have in the collection as far as the Quebec League jerseys go. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, no, it's all good stuff. And uh, well, I mean, I was gonna say, I think we got a we got a con we got a convert now, old uh, Jay there in Iowa. I, did you see out by the fire last night what he was watching? Oh yeah, well I told him. I, I think I commented on that. I said if that was a fucking VHS, the reels would have been worn off that thing in my house because I've watched that video so many damn times. Oh, yeah. it just what well, the hair metal helps it because of course I'm a huge hair metal fan too. So and you got um, fucking like Skid Row and Quiet Riot going on while John Morasti's going toe to toe with you know Sebastian Sears Center Ice. What's not to love? Yeah, Swanson and Dubé to uh, kiss Psycho Circus. You can't, uh, you yep. can't, you can't go wrong. That's a, that's a <laughs> night well spent right there by the fire. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I had, a, well, I had a buddy, my uh, one of my Marine buddies. He came over to visit for the first time in like two years, and he was like, "Can we watch some hockey fight tapes?" I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna pop one in for you." And that that was the one we watched. So it was it was a good time. No, absolutely, and. Uh, yeah, the old uh, the LNAH, of course, it's uh, you know it's certainly not a league for everybody. I mean, it's got its detractors, and you know, kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to argue with them at times. It's like, well, yeah, you know. But uh, it was definitely a, a league unto itself, and uh, I've always been fascinated with it. I love getting the guys that used to play in the league on. I know you do as well. And um, what I wanted to do is, of course, every I always say everyone likes lists. And so it was like, all right, I mean, you, I've been on your show, you've been on my show, we've talked about who we think the best, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, okay, instead of just having one person on and getting their opinion, I'm going to get everyone's opinion. Well, not everyone, but you know what I'm saying. A group thing. So I counted it, I believe it was 48 people, including ex-players and fans, that I asked to participate in this little drill here. And I basically just came out and said, who are your top 10? all-time LNH slash Quebec Senior League, whatever, you can include them, that whole Quebec thing, uh, Who? what's your top 10? And, uh, yeah, got all the lists back, and I kind of did a, oh, man, I had, like, uh, you know, pie graphs and, uh, you know, uh, charts. <laughs> and When uh, analytics on us there. I know, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I had to get a math guy. I couldn't do the math myself. But, oh, laser pointers, we the whole thing schematics oh it was blueprints we had nice everything power, powerpoint presentation and everything oh yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. PowerPoint. And, uh, I came and I've whittled it all down because I assigned all oh, this. If, if they rank him fourth, it'll be this many points. If it first on this guy's list will be this many points. And oh, it was a whole system. Um, and I got the, the definitive top 10, or at least for this exercise, what it's going to be. And it was a pretty yes. interesting top 10. Well, it's funny because, you, you know, I think I submitted a list to you and I can't even remember what yep. the hell I sent at this point. But, you know, you asked me again in another day and the list will be completely different, especially with that league. You know, there were so many heavies to roll through there. So it's definitely subjective. But, you know, it's cool that you got the players involved so you can kind of get their opinion on it, too. And um, add, add a little bit more, I guess, legitimacy to it, maybe, if that makes sense, since they're the ones who actually fought them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, and it was, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, I didn't do the breakdown, but it was over 10, uh, I'm trying to think, was it 12 players I asked? Like, it, was, it wasn't just one or two, like, it was a bunch, like 10 for sure. Went to, right. Well, yeah, well, and I did tell them, a few of them, I'm like, you know, you, you can vote for yourself, it's okay. I mean, I'd vote <laughs> for you, so feel free to vote for yourself, so, you know, um because like the one guy sends me his list and he's not in it. And I'm like, okay, you know, you should be in it. Right. So it's okay. Redo it and put yourself in there. It's, I'm not going to, what an asshole, you know, what an arrogant asshole. Like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, so, and he laughed and he did, but, uh, we won't name names for the, we'll keep everyone's nameless. It's a secret ballad. And, uh, I don't want anybody yelling that these re- these election results were faked. <laughs> got Quebec League Anonymous going on. Exactly. Um, but uh, I'm going to, uh, we'll get into it here. And I just kind of uh, get your thoughts on things. Uh, damn, I should have dragged your list up. I can't, you know, that would have been funny. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't because I don't even remember what the hell I put. Because like I said, you asked me on Tuesday and it'll be different. Yeah, no, this is pretty much. It was, it was pretty standard for the most part. Like there was about six names that were on every list, pretty much. And then right. you get a, rot- get a certain point; it's interchangeable. Yeah, and you get a rotating few, but it's like pretty much the top. Eh, yeah, but I'd say the top three was pretty cemented in pretty much everybody's list. Yeah, yeah, and then and the number one guy was pretty much universal. So yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, but. Uh, I know you got a tee off time, so I'm not going to keep you too long. Cause like I said, we've already yapped for like 45 minutes before I hit record. So, and I know I could have you on. Well, first of all, before we even get going, uh, for those listening, of course, I mean, I know a lot of it, we obviously have cross, I mean, we shared, shared listenership, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you have said that, uh, the, the podcast is coming back. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, as Jay called me, the Brett Favre of the uh, Hockey Enforcer podcast over here. I'm yep. coming back, not coming back. Um, but no, yeah, it is. So it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. It was just um, really bad timing at what the start of the year with this new. It's not a new job, but we started a new project with my company, and it was. I don't have a set schedule, and of course, you and I have talked uh, privately about it, but there was no set schedule, so, so it was would just be hard to line up interviews and now we're really getting down to the wire on the first phase of of the job site so um it's going to be a lot more work in hours and it was just going to be hard to line up interviews or maybe keep up content so i just didn't want to keep people disappointed because i've done it before where if i was kind of busy i didn't quite do as good of research as i should have for a guest and like i feel like the interview lacked quality so um i, I feel like it would have been an injustice to the podcast to kind of I don't know. Come up with shit interviews. Not that I'm, you know, groundbreaking interviews anyway, but uh, I know as good as I can make yeah, yeah. them anyway, right? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, for sure. 
So no, and then you know, just working on some personal things, and you know, I think you were one of the few people I told about it until I announced it. But you know, I've been uh, three months sober now, completely of alcohol, and uh, that was a big kind of milestone for me as well, and uh, feel really good about myself now, and you know, kind of moving forward with that, and you know, if it's going to be permanent, eh, I don't know, but for the most part, I th- I'd like to think so. Um, so that was that was huge for me as well, and I've gotten a lot of support from folks and. Uh, you know, yourself and Joe and other people who've messaged me privately or you congratulated me on that. So that was big. But um, I got to follow the, follow my sugar mama because she's got to take a new job down in Fort Myers. And it just happens to where uh, my company just took on a job down there, too. So now I'll, I'll be I'll be the only one down there, the only rep for my company down there working on that job while the uh, the wife ends up, uh, you know, taking that new position with her company. So I'm going to have a lot flexible or a lot more excuse me a lot more flexible of a schedule to kind of get interviews and do the podcast again so uh before it was looking like i really wasn't going to be able to do it again if i wanted to until like really late this year or early next year but no i'm glad to be back and for all the people who have messaged me and you know yourself and you, you and i talk pretty much every day yeah um but for everybody else who's kind of supported the show and you know um said how much they enjoyed it when I was stopping. I, I do appreciate it. And uh, I definitely read every message. Not that there's <laughs> hundreds of uh, emails or messages or anything like that, but um, know that, to know that people are listening and actually give a shit and enjoy the show. It means a lot. No, absolutely. And uh, well, look at that. Lazito. It's back to three. Now I thought I was down to just Joe and I squaring off, but we got three yeah, people toe to toe with shady pines over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got to do it before four o'clock though, but uh, <laughs> yeah, give her the Lazito, but um... <laughs> she'll be disappointed. Sorely yeah. disappointed. Yeah. That's my hashtag. I want to get trending worldwide. Give her the Lazito. Yeah. Well, oh, quick. just you wait. We're, we're going to make t-shirts of that shit. That'll sell like hotcakes. I think so. Oh yeah. Down, down in Florida. Oh yeah. Big Lazito fans down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, real big in Sheboygan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, man, it'll be great to have you back. And like I said, any uh, any Enforcer podcast is is uh, is good, right? As long as, you know, you get the, you know, because there isn't, too, well, like I said, there are, what, three of us? You know, and so it's like, yeah, and uh, in a sea of uh, whatever's out there, I don't know. There's a lot of questionable shit out there. Of course, our shit's really questionable too, maybe, but... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're you know, we're definitely a, a small little island for sure. So any other anytime you can get an extra voice, another voice, it helps for sure. Oh, absolutely. And um, like you said, I'm happy to be be able to do it again because, again, as stated before many times, it's not like I can just go down uh, go down to the bar and start talking hockey fights with somebody out here in Florida. It's going to be a little little harder to do that, I think, <laughs> even in today's climate. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Well, we've talked about it. It's like you, you quit, and it's like, okay, I'm done with this bullshit because somebody I, I get, I, I, oh, I'd love to do your show, bro, and then they don't show up or they ghost you, and you're ready to smash shit, and you're so mad, and you're like, why do I do this? And then when you kind of quit or whatever, it's like, oh, this is awesome. I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. And then you get that itch, and yep. you, and it's like, oh, I got to get back. I got to hit record. I think, I don't know. Maybe it's a narcissistic thing. I just want to hear the, the sound of my own voice, I guess. I don't know. But well, you I miss it. A, oh, well, the, well, social media adds to it. Not in the sense that you want to get big, but just the stupidity on there that yeah. you want to rant about. That's yeah. the biggest thing, especially with this whole Tom Wilson bullshit we just dealt with. Oh, and that's, yeah, I I always say, I like I love talking. To, when, when it goes good, I love talking to the players. And I enjoy those interviews and having those interactions. But 
there is nothing more that I enjoy than hit and record Friday after work and ranting about hockey Twitter. I don't know that I that that Wilson inter- the episode I did was so therapeutic, yelling at stupid people. I mean, I know it doesn't <laughs> it really matter, is. but it's just like it's just fun yelling about shit. Yeah, I don't know. I just enjoy it. Oh no, absolutely. And it's like he's like I've said, and well, with how the game is now and our kind of old school dinosaur look on the game. You can't really talk about it with just anybody. So this is kind of all we got is, you know, the, the small group on Twitter and then a microphone to fucking yell at clouds into. Yeah, no, exactly. So like I, I've sometimes said, if I had just kept it, my ranting on, on a Sunday about hockey to where I could, I could do an episode every three days. I said, Content Oh, just scroll. Itself. Oh, just scroll Twitter or Facebook for five minutes and I'm already in a mood and got shit to yell about. It's just endless topics on there when the season's on. It's just endless. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, man. Oh. It's, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It is. Yeah. But, all right, I won't, let's get into this here. We could, like I said, we could yell about the idiots on hockey Twitter all night. And we'll definitely yeah, have you back. We'll definitely have you back on when you don't have tea times and, and everything else. And yeah, I've goddamn moved, and you've moved. holding me up losing some golf balls here in an hour. I know. Yeah. Hey, you paid for the course. <laughs> you want to see it all, right? So exactly. All right. Well, the top 10, I'll throw it down on you and you, uh, we'll just, we'll comment on a couple of the guys. I wrote down their fights that they had in the Quebec league and, uh, we'll get out of here. But, uh, number 10. As according to the players and fans of the LNAH, Louis Bedard, number 10. Oh, really? He's a little bit lower than I would have guessed. I think I put him up higher on my list. I think I put him at least seven. But Bedard, I think, is one of those guys he's severely underrated. Yes. And you know what? And doing the and adding them up, do you know that dude had 302 fights in the LNAH? Good night. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it, though. Him I and he fought everybody. And I think. For people who want to see a funny video, and I had, I think, Brad Lambert talk about it, and I hadn't seen the video prior on, uh, until it surfaced over. I think John actually posted it from, you know, Cla- uh, what's his name on YouTube? Is it Classic Quebec League Violence, I think is what <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, what a great name. Yeah. Uh, you know, for sure. But look up Louis Bedard versus John Morasti. And, of course, they always had great fights and just two guys going toe-to-toe. But it was during Teddy Bear Toss Night in the LNH. And... You know, a typical minor pro hockey when when you score the first goal or whatever, everybody tosses the teddy bears. Well, this is the Quebec League we're talking here, so this ain't your this ain't your mama's fucking semi pro yeah, right. hockey. League. So during the first fight of the game, which was between John Morassi and Louis Bedard, after the fight ends, that's when the teddy bears start going on the ice, and he get like in that video you can start seeing them. They all just start raining down on the ice after the first fight, and of course you got the. Uh, the infamous Quebec League train horn going off on the background. Just absolute nonsense and chaos, but it's the epitome of the fucking Quebec League, so I love that fight. But yeah, I, I'm down with Louis Bedard for sure. Yeah, oh, it's teddy bears, uh, Ramstein, and a horn, and a train horn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing like it. That's what I, like I always say, I, I love the Quebec League stuff, but I oh, when you're watching like a team tape and you're watching all these fights, I could tell you, yeah, Duhas gets a little old after about the 60th fight. You know, it's like, okay, I could do without some Ramstein for a while. Yeah, That and fucking Pantera, and you got Walk playing every fucking second fight, too, and just that din, 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 din. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking wake up with a cold sweat after watching this fight tape of 
that guitar riff going off the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like at that point, I'm really missing announcers. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, then even we wouldn't be able to understand them, damn it, with the RDS feeds when they got the French announcers. I can't understand a word they're saying. Oh, I loved it when they did the – and then they had Moose Morris set down at the penalty box to uh, interview yeah. the combatants after. I'm like, oh, this is so great. Yeah. <laughs> it's only in the Quebec League, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, number 10, Louis Bedard. Number nine, Derek Parker. Really? That boy, this is kind of surprising. I think I, I would have put Parker maybe a little bit higher, maybe maybe around six. I think I might have put him up there on my list. But Parker, he was you know wasn't like a big power puncher, but he just kind of got like that old like Ty Domi spin cycle going on you, and was definitely um, <laughs> a, a character to say the least. Like you know juggling pucks and starting pregame brawls and shit, and you got Morasty throwing pucks at him. Um, but no, yeah, Parker for sure. I can see it. I can see him being on at, at least top 10 for sure. I think I put, like I said, I put him on my list, but, um, no, I'm, I'm down with Derek Parker. And of course I, um, he, well, he competed in both, both enforcer competitions, didn't he? Yes, or he was did. it just the ice warriors? Yeah. No, okay. Both, I thought, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, yeah no, he, I, I could definitely see it. Yeah, no, uh, he, uh, yeah. And he made the big splash in 05, 06 when he, when he came in 75 fights that year. And, uh, <laughs> and just like you said, juggling pucks. Oh, he had Kote chasing him in street clothes. The shit that he pulled in that league that first year, he had everyone hating on him. And I'm like, how somebody didn't take a baseball swing to the face. I can't believe it. No one did. I, I remember talking to a friend of mine that was down in the league at the time. And he's like, I'm just waiting for somebody to take their stick to his head. Like, he is just driving people nuts. And like you said, and when he fight, you know, he, and I, I think it was Mayrad that was talking about it. It's like, he's just one of those guys, you know, you weren't like, not a big, like you said, not a big power guy, but he had, he was really good on his skates, had good balance and, uh, and elusive. Like he couldn't really land a really good shot on him. And it was just like, and like Mayrad said, he was just driving you nuts. And, uh. But yeah, 75 fights that one year, 202 total in the Quebec League. And uh, yeah, crazy well, dude, know, man. I know it'd be harder to control him in fights too. And I think Searson has his jersey. But I know in his game horns, he, he always put the coin and lace tie down in the front. So it makes it a little bit harder to control. So, you know, when he got something, someone spinning you like that, and he's got all these fucking mods on his jersey, you're kind of fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, exactly. And like... Yeah, and he's so good on it. Like he's and he's a good skater, right? So it was like, yeah, he's so good on his skates, and he can get you going. It's like, yeah, you know, and he's elusive and uh, and absolutely fearless. I mean, he's oh yeah, unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so Derek Parker, number nine, number eight, Dean Mirad. There we go. All right, yeah, I'm down with Dino for number eight. I could see that, and he was a big, like big, big dude. And I've I've had one of his jerseys before. I think I ended up selling it to uh, old Swanee up there. Um, but he put the double tie down in his jersey when he came in and Dean the Machine. And I think when of uh, you, of course, you interviewed him, and I think he mentions it in there. But you can see he really found his stride. If you look at, like his old Muskegon footage, his balance was kind of off. But he really hit his stride and hit the ground running once he got to the Quebec League and kind of figured everything out and put all the pieces together. And he kind of took the league by storm um, over there in Sorel. And really big, big fucking guy. And he'd kind of get in a little bit tight. Not quite Brashear-esque, but he'd get in tight and just control the shit out of you and then just end up beating the doors off you too. But he he wasn't like the kind of wide-open toe-to-toe guy, which of course is fine. You don't need to be toe-to-toe. You should be coming out on top and winning the fights but uh of course also the winner of the black and blue competition um but yeah no mayrand was fucking awesome dude 
No, absolutely. 174 fights. That's a rough estimate. I was adding that up real quick while you were talking. Um, but yeah, he was there for about, unfortunately had the hand injury, the right hand injury, yep. which early retirement, but, uh, you know, as he calls it, the money maker. And, uh, but yeah, every once in a while, like you said, he definitely had power. I mean, he put Bosse down and, uh, which was a big, that really, I don't want to say that put him on the map, but I think that really got everyone's attention. And, uh, yeah, Dean the Machine Man, bad dude, good dude. Anybody listening, if you have not, please go back and listen to my full-length interview with Dean Mayrad. And it is great. And he tells some great stories about working on the movie with Probert and everything and Mike Myers and stuff <laughs> and all that stuff. But he talks about Muskegon and, of course, all the Quebec League fights and the ta- and the uh, Enforcer Tournament. And uh, the thing I really like about uh, – and now he runs a boxing club out in uh, Cold Lake and uh, – Big boxing guy, and uh, but I I really liked talking to with with Dean. It was the basically the science of the hockey fight, and he really broke it down and talked about what he looked for and what he did and the grab and all that type of stuff. And you know, for people that are that are kind of really into the you know the the nerdum of hockey fighting, it was uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, for sure. That's probably one of my favorite interviews that you have, actually, is of Dean. And I, cause I'd never, I think I'd messaged him privately a couple times before that. No, he's a nice dude, but hearing him on that interview was awesome. Yeah, no, he was a great interview. Yeah. And like I said, really into it and really broke it down. I know. And that's, and as I was, well, you know, as well as being a host, um, and not to say the guys don't do it, but the ones that take it like really serious and like really want to know the questions and they really want to break it down because they want to give you really good answers. Um, and Dean was one of those guys really, and you could tell he gives really thoughtful answers and, you yep. know, and yeah, no, he was a, as a, as a host of a show, he's a dream guest for sure. Um, but so number eight, Dean Mayrad, number seven, Steve Bosse. Ooh, he's lower than I would have expected. I think I put Bosse, I think at four maybe, yep. but well, B- Bosse is funny because you really didn't hear too, too much about him, I think, until about his last year in Verdun and then his first year with the Chiefs. Um, of course, he went on to go and play in the – or not play, but um, go compete in the UFC and have a couple fights there. And a legendary career, of course, but he was like the only guy with the really big chink in Morasti's armor that he was one of the few that you ever see Morasti. And it was not like he just tagged him and Morasti went down. I mean, he, he, he fucking got him. Yeah. So that was, that was huge, but um, – Guy, like, like his first few years in Verdun, kind of figuring it out. And I think once his balance got a little bit better um, and he really figured it out with the Chiefs, he was probably arguably the top dog for at least a year or two um, in the league. No, absolutely. 205 career fights in the Quebec. Well, Quebec League was the only, I don't want to make it sound like it, but it was the only place he played. Like, a lot of these guys went, they, you know, were in the East Coast League or whatever, down in the States for a while, and then they came home. Or, you know, or got the big money offer to come up there. Like, you know, with Mayrad and Muskegon and blah, blah, blah. And even Bedard was in Hampton Roads and all that stuff. And then he came home. Um, so, I mean, but Bosse, right from the word go, started in Verdun. Um, well, at 205, actually, that probably wouldn't, what's that other league? The L-A-H-S-P-Q-Q, oh, the, whatever. Um, yeah. He had 30-some fights in that, too. That I didn't include those. But, um, yeah, he... Uh, and I don't want to say he wasn't very good in Verdun, but those first couple years when they're wearing the white and green jerseys and stuff, and he's just starting out and he's really young, 22, 23. Um, yeah, I, I don't, 
uh, obviously he could, he, he could always punch, obviously, but yeah, his balance really wasn't there. And yeah, he, he really, he wasn't the boss that people see fight Morasti. Like that's the thing you say, boss, right. they have the image of the Morasti wars, but, or the UFC guy. And it's like, well, he wasn't always like that. You know? Yeah. Like you said, he really, you know, found his legs, found how to do it. And then, yeah, when he kind of got up with the chiefs and stuff, it was like, yeah, those Morasti wars was kind of what set Bosse off onto that path. It was like, holy shit. You know, and I mean, he got McMorrow and he got Hamilton and he got John and, you know, got Mayrad, you know. So, I mean, he was he was clipping guys for sure. Oh, yeah. And that, that I think it's round four or five, and I've said it multiple times, but that's still probably one of the greatest fights I've ever seen between him and Morasti where, and I think Morasti actually got the better of him in that one. He didn't, he didn't end up KOing Morasti. It was where they're both still standing at the end, but... Bosse was a tough motherfucker because you'd see me, you'd see Morasti hit him, and Bosse was arguably out on his feet. Like he, he'd hit him, like Morasti would just hit him square, and Bosse's head would kind of go down, and you could see he'd come to real quick and get back up, and he took about three of those solid right to the chin and just ate it and kept going. Um, and of course, yeah, it's just absolutely a bloody mess after. It looks like something straight out of a fucking horror movie, honestly. Him and Morasti both, and he, he, I don't think he won that one. Of course, he will won the actual you know the war with Morasti, but that battle he didn't win um but that's still probably one of the greatest hockey fights i've ever seen if not the greatest one i have ever seen yeah like i would say like I, i've i've said that to a few people a couple of those fights i mean they're all pretty good but there's a couple of them in there that i i would uh, i have always said probably top five for me for sure of the most vicious hockey fights i've ever seen like just there's no jersey jabs. There's none of that shit. There's no ducking. There's no nothing. And it's like, and you, um, oh, how I wish the mic'd up fights were out there. They were at one oh, time. Oh, I know. I, I, I wish they were there. But because that was when I first saw them. And it was just like the most grisly sound. Like, oh, you just, you know, it's just yep. all you hear. And it's just like, oh, my God, you know, and grunting. And it's just like, Jesus, like, that's. <laughs> yeah, vicious, vicious fights. Those <laughs> it really ones. is, man. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, no, I was surprised actually when I did all the math and you know and uh, and everything. And I was like, wow, because I kind of thought Bossy um, would be higher, honestly. But uh, he was not. I mean, again, when we're when I was doing like the points and stuff, it was like there's there's literally like one or two points separating these guys, right? Other than basically the top two, everything else was pretty jammed together number wise and there was a couple guys that didn't make the top 10 by like one point so it was like yeah there was a there was a rotating about 15 guys that pretty much that was where everyone's list but uh but i'm trying to think but there was one vote for swanson as number one which which cracked me up that wasn't from (laughs) swanee but i was like oh yes Uh, swan i know swanee's list he won't take it personal but i i don't think i'd have swanson as number one in the quebec league but but in terms of so, fight so card and willingness, in our, number absolutely. one in our hearts. Yeah, number one in our hearts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's the well, he's the best pipe fitter out of all these guys. There we go. We'll say that. Yeah. Don't you forget it. Yeah. Knucklebusters <laughs> Limited for all your pipe fitting needs. But uh so seven was Steve Bot number six, Brandon Sugden. Sugar. Yeah, well, it was funny because he came in two separate stints. He did he had that stint with Verdun. Yep. And he had a couple great fights with Gates. Um, he actually had that the the Gates fight he had with him and um, when he was in Granby, 
uh, Gates, of course. That's actually the jersey I have, which is kind of funny. So seeing that jersey in action is pretty cool. But, yeah, he fought Link Gates then, and then um, he did pretty well then. But I think he was more so known for his time with the Chiefs yeah. uh, during that second stint. I think it was the lockout era is when he went back. I could be wrong. I might be off by a year. Um, and I think I am. I think he went there 06, 07, and then 07, 08. So, yeah. um but yeah, sh- sh- sugar, fucking sugar, <laughs> um, Sugden, he was really fucking good. He had some good fights as well, and he had a couple good ones with the Morasti. And there was one, goddamn, the square off. I think is forty forty eight minutes <laughs> with Morasti. Um, but yeah, no, he he could fucking bang for sure. Yeah, no, eighty fights in the Quebec League. Um, I was really happy to get that oh six oh seven stuff, oh seven oh eight, or is it oh seven oh? I'm getting my years mixed up. The DVD, the footage that was not out there, we now have, which is good. Um, yeah, no, it sucked in, man. And then, uh, you know, I always think back, his um, going through stuff, that, that year he went back to Syracuse. That that might be one of the greatest hockey fight years for an enforcer ever. Yes. Like, I think he has 40-some fights, and I think he literally dropped, like, six guys in a row in his fights. He had, like, more knockouts. Like- yeah, it wasn't like Joe Schmo. It was like Bond V and McGratton and shit like that, too. It wasn't, oh, yeah. You know, these are nobodies. He's knocking out. I think it was Mike Segroy who said on – when I had him on and we had mentioned um, Sugden, he said that was probably like the greatest year for a hockey fighter like he's ever fucking seen. Like yeah. it was just insane. Yeah, and I think it was the year he left for Dunn and then went to Syracuse. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if anything's going to get you ready, it's going to be the old Quebec League. and uh, <laughs> Fighting well, Gates. Yeah, fighting Link. Yeah, after, after that, it's, you know, it's easy after that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, uh, yeah, no, he, uh, no big fan of Sugden. And, uh, yeah, number six. Um, number five, Mike Varhog. Really? Mike Varhog? Oh, fuck, I don't even think I put him on my list. But, really? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, if I remember, I don't, either that or I put him lower. He might have been an honorable mention. But, I mean, yeah, fuck, Varhog was tough. He's a tall motherfucker. And he, you know, he played for, he played for Verdun. And then where'd he go after that? Sherbrooke. Yeah. Um, Oh, he was a tall dude. Yeah. Granby, then Verdun. And uh, that's right. He was a Granby. And then, uh, but another guy that came from like Flint played in the United League, old Western guy, left British Hurricanes in the Western League and then went out to the UHL and, and, you know, was the, I always laugh at the long hair, skinny beanpole with the street, straight hair, long hair. And, uh, yeah, big kind of gangly dude, uh, bounced around a little bit in the American League and Johnstown and all that. And went to Verdun, St. Granby, then Verdun, same thing. Kind of like a bossy type. Didn't really get rolled. Then um, had that brutal knockout with Cote in the preseason when he goes down and blows his knee out and missed the whole year. But when he came back, when he, yeah, like you said, when he went to Sherbrooke, I think he really found, my personal opinion is he really found himself in Sherbrooke. And he became a real force in that league. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And he, I, I'm trying to think of his fight card off the top of my head. Of course, it's 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 bad, but it's when you say, um, or excuse me, when you say Varhog, it's the one my mind immediately goes to is the Kote one, just because it's one of like the most brutal things I've ever fucking seen. Um, but yeah, no, he, well, that Sherbrooke team was stacked too, and he fit in perfectly with them, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, no, 188 career fights in the Quebec League. Um, fought everybody, you know, had some big wins. I know Mayrad had talked about uh, Varhog. He couldn't. Varhog was just so tough and he had trouble against them. And, uh, yeah, Varhog always did, you know, drop Parker and, uh, Parker knockouts pretty vicious actually. Um, yeah, 
like you said, once he learned that size and and uh, and got to it, uh, yeah, he was a he was a tough dude. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, number four, John Morasty. Yeah, I think I either had Morasty at four, four or three. I think on my list, and I mean, we've said it a hundred times, but it's it always holds true that he is probably the most entertaining fighter that's ever been seen in the enforcer world. You know, just toe to toe, and he came in as a, like a fucking kid in that league too. I think he played one year. Was it in Bakersfield before that? Yep, maybe. Yep, yep. So it was in Bakersfield, and then he came over to the Quebec League, and just. And I remember Mayran saying it in the interview he had with you was, um, you know, Morasti came in saying like, you know, yeah, he's going to be like the top dog, and Mayran looking at him up and down like, oh, you know, you know, whatever, kid, get in line, and. Sure as shit, he ends up just taking on fucking everybody. And, I mean, that first year, he had some great fights. He had a bunch with Dubé and Seer. Those are the ones that really stick out in my mind because they're so, you know, there's toe-to-toe battles. And um, the couple with Seer that he had, Seer would ta- – I think he tagged him once, and then Morasti ended up getting him again. And almost similar to the Varhog one. Fuck, when Seer tagged him, that he, uh, fuck, blew out his knee going down or broke his leg, I think. Um, but, no, he came back from that, and he's got the legendary wars with – uh, Bosse and um, who else did he fight that year? That was a, a shit ton. I'm trying to think of. It was the year with Bosse. Um, I think it still might have been Dubé. God, he fought yeah. Dubé so many damn times. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's probably he's got to be on his fight card almost 20 times, honestly. Um, but no, not the biggest guy at all. And he came in and like like I said, straight out of fucking the ECHL, and he's like a, a kid. He might have been what 20 going into the league. Yeah, 21, 22. Yeah. And then he played like there that. for a year, and then he went to Danbury, and then for, and then he went back to the Quebec League, and then uh, off to the four years there in Syracuse and the Russia, did that bounce around, and then came back to the Quebec League a little bit. Towards the end, those last couple stops, I mean, I don't want to... He still had some great fights. Um, well, the legendary fight with Terrio. I mean, that that's, is, I know that's, that's your there. favorite fight, yep. I think, ever. That's yeah. That's got to be. I've, if it's not my favorite one ever, it's it's probably top three. Of course, like two Morasti fights are top three. Um, but that fight with Terry, I think I and I I've said it before. The the reason I think I enjoy that one more than a lot of his other fights is both him and Terry were at the end of like their careers, and they just still didn't give a shit and went out swinging just like the same way they came in and just put on a show. And yeah, he had that one like bad like that bad fight. I think it was. I'm trying to remember the team. They were, I think it was like a one one year team at the end of that, which I think it was Three Rivers when they were wearing like blue and orange. And he had that fight versus David Lacroix, but I know he he's beat the doors off of Lacroix first, and it was he, Lacroix got the um got the the jump on him because Morasti was taking off his helmet, and Lacroix kind of jumped him a little bit there, and I don't think it would have gone the same. But yeah, even that those last few fights, he had some good ones. He uh, battled against Lassard, you know Frank the Tank Lassard going in there because um, I think he was with Cornwall at the time. But he had some great fights with him. Lassard got the better of him in one of them, and then I think Morasti came back even that same game. It was either the same game or the next night fought him again and showed that he wasn't going to go down quietly and had a good fight against, I think it was Gabby Rock or um, Alex Penner, probably. I'm trying to think like kind of the guys who were like the, I, I will say the last of the enforcers really in that league. It was kind of the last oorah was that kind of 14-15 season. But um, no, I almost enjoy those fights more because I think Morassi, you know, he knew it was kind of the end of the line. He was kind of still going out, but he went out swinging just the same way he came in. So I love it. Yeah, 141 fights the Quebec League, and uh, yeah, every one of them was exciting for sure. And yeah, like you said, what I mean, what 
you know, there's nothing. Not, everyone, know, everyone <laughs> listening knows Morasti. I don't, I don't need to sell it, sell him on it on to you from anybody. So, yeah, uh, anybody listening, of course, my neighbor once again, of course, has to must know I'm podcasting. He's got to fire up his leaf blower for the uh, third <laughs> third time today. It's only one thirty. He's got it going, and I'm sure I'll hear it ten more times today. But uh, oh, when the new offices are built here and I'm moved, it'll be so nice to be down in a basement and I won't have leaf blowers anymore. But uh, anyway. So sorry about that, folks, if you can hear that. But uh, my wife shut the window for me. So, um, so yes, John Morasti at number four. Uh, number three, we've talked about him already, but uh, the missing link, Link Gates, number three. Yep, and I will say it all come out and I'll admit it. I was guilty. I didn't even have him on the list because my my for whatever reason, when I think of the Quebec League, my mind doesn't go to Link Gates. I always just picture him as, you know, the – I don't know why the Madison Monsters and then all the other leagues, but of course, you know, he was in fucking, you know, throw a dart and you'll hit whatever hockey league. So <laughs> he, he he was there. So I don't think of him with the Quebec League, but goddamn, he got it done when you and I were talking about it beforehand. Yeah, 115 fights in that league. And, uh, and I mean, and this is, and I mean, I'm not trying to sound funny saying this, but that was all with brain damage, you know? I mean, he had the car accident yeah. that, that he, he was out of the NHL from. So here's a guy that suffered head, head brain damage and basically had to rehab and learn to walk again and goes on to play in a million minor leagues and fighting monsters. And I've told the story a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. But when my friend was sitting there coaching and he talked to Patrick Cote, Patrick Cote said, Link Gate, I've hit Link Gates harder than I've hit any other human. And he didn't, all he did was grunt and kept coming. He's like, he, like, he goes, he's the scariest guy I've ever fought. Oh, yeah, and if you look at those round one and two between him and Kote, they're just marathons, and fuck, Gates come back. I think it was the second round is what I'm thinking of, but he comes back. I think Kote had him in the very beginning, and then Gates out of nowhere just starts getting going, and he ends up like fucking TKO and Kote in there, and that was just absolutely insane because that was, that was, you know, uh, whey protein and chicken diet Kote we're talking here yeah. <laughs> at that point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and when there's Link, he's out of shape. He just doesn't care. It's whatever. And, and Link, I will say, when you watch his Quebec League stuff, um, he's always, he's always a really slow starter. Like he just sort of grabs the guys. He takes like four or five, then kind of set, gets set how he wants it, almost like he holds you by the back of the jersey and just starts the lefts, right? And it's like, but meanwhile, he's eating five or six, so it, it, you know it looks like he's like getting his ass kicked. But you're not like everybody said; you're not doing anything to him. You're just sort of pissing him off more. And then he starts <laughs> going, and it's like like you can hit him with a bat, I think, and he's not going to go down. Oh yeah, and of course he had the the legendary clip of him stick fighting Jason Ham- oh, Jason yeah. Hamilton in the in the penalty box, just absolute Quebec League nonsense that's going on. And oh, the bleeding hearts hate that. And I'll show. I've, I think I posted that video. And me and me and Searson will do it every so often in in some of the fight groups just to get people pissed because we know that this isn't hockey. This is fucking stupid and blah blah blah. And oh okay, yeah. It's like- the same same people praising Gordy Howe who you know. Threw elbows and stick people too, but yeah, it was fine when Gordy did it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just, who are these two pussies? Well, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, those two I can guarantee would make any NHL guy that you love so much right now playing cry if they could link Gates versus uh, yeah, you know uh, your uh, your Ryan Reeves or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, 
Uh, the, 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 yeah, <laughs> Brian Reeves isn't going to bother Link Gates. I can tell you that. Yeah, fuck. I'd, I think my money would still be on Link today. Well, I don't know. It depends how much beer he's had and That's how many true. hot dogs That's he's true. gone down because, you know, the, uh, everybody knows the the picture of him at the, uh, <laughs> the concession stand grabbing a hot dog mid-game because the coach wouldn't play him. <laughs> oh, oh, Link. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great picture. Actually, the kid that got the picture taken with him. Who is that? I can't remember. It's a, it's an enforcer though. The, ki- the kid that's in the picture with Link. Like, is it really? Yeah, the guy ended up playing and is an enforcer. Oh, what's his name? I don't think he's playing anymore, but he played in the, he played in the Quebec Junior League and played in the American League. Um, it's a, it, obviously it's a French guy, but, uh, his name's escaping me right now. But yeah, it's how, how it's so funny. Cause of course in the picture, the kid's like 12, right? Or 13. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Link, Link's sitting there. Yeah. Up with his, uh, actually maybe that'll be my picture. I think that's the picture I'm going to use for that. Great. I'm glad you brought that up. That's <laughs> no, going to be perfect. my picture for the ad for the, for the graphic for the episode will be Link getting the burger picture. Yeah. There you go. I know Searson got a picture with him. He's got a couple because Searson said he took one with Link and Link just looks pissed. And then uh, Searson was like, he was about to walk away. And then Link apparently was like, no, now you got to get one with me smiling. So then I know Searson's got a couple with him and Link's actually smiling in the picture. And looks like he's like straight out of a fucking motorcycle gang. He's got the leather jacket on and like the all black beanie and shit. <laughs> Typical Link. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because I've heard from a lot of people, though, like, Sober Link is like a really nice guy. Like, but it's just like anything, right? The moment alcohol touches the lips, it's, it's idiot time, right? So that'll do it. Yep. Yep. Well, we've all been there. (laughs) Link's just been there more than most people. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was number three. So number two was, uh, Patrick Cote. All right, there we go. I was about to say I, I know who the final two are. I was, I was trying to think of who's going to be where, but like you said, I think number one's pretty solidified. But yeah, Pat Cote, it's unfortunate what happened because he took on a lot of dudes in the NHL and he fought Prober multiple times and, um, you know, got, of course, caught at the border with, um, <laughs> illegal substances. So that kind of put a damper in his sales for the NHL. But, uh, when he came to the Quebec League, uh, he, Fuck, he was top dog for sure, I think. Um, of course, he couldn't stay healthy, and I think somebody will attribute that to uh, maybe a little too much of the chicken and whey protein diet yeah. from time to time, which is unfortunate. But yeah. goddamn, when you're Pat Cote standing at, what, I think 6'3", 275, and that's not an ounce of fat on him. That's a scary human to be sitting there looking at you at the fucking blue line during pregame warm-ups. And uh, there's the infamous picture of him on the bench with – um, oh, was it was it PCAC in the back of him? Yeah. Yep. That's who it was. Oh yeah, it looks like it looks like something straight out of a fucking WWE ad because they're both just fucking shredded. But yeah, Kote and of course like we mentioned before with Parker and the antics and shit, so he sit there and go after Parker on the bench and in street clothes and shit, but man, what a tough dude. He had those fights with Gates and um he, he was just so fucking tough and he controlled the and he we would kind of get the spin going a little bit in fights too, but then he when he'd want to God, he had so much fucking power in that hand, and he would just put people down so easily. It was insane. And, of course, like he's, it's evident with the Varhog fight. Like, Varhog actually, for the first probably – actually, he probably had him almost the entire fight. And until Kote just slipped loose that one time and tagged him, and Varhog went down. And Kote didn't give a shit either. That was probably one of the scariest guys in that league. He'd, there was no, you know, no good fight, buddy, you know, at the end. No, he – he fucking knocked out Varhog and is sitting there making fun of him because he saw he saw Varhog's leg and knew he fucked it up going down and sitting there making fun of him getting off the ice just flopping around everywhere making noises and laughing about it. So you know, Cote wasn't there to play patty cake. 
No, and like you talk to every like all the guys I've had on my show, they're like he's the he's the meanest guy I've ever played against. They've all said that, and like just didn't give a shit. And yeah, and it's a shame, you know, with the drug thing and and the issues that he's had because even when he was in the NHL, his rookie run with the Predators, he's he's awesome. Like he drops Andy McCarthy. Like he, if anybody goes back and watches NHL, Patrick Cote was awesome. So he could hang with the, he was with Probert and he could hang with those guys. But unfortunately with all the shit. So, I mean, he come back and he's involved with whoever he's involved in and whatever that's been documented. But, um, and you get him pissed off and jacked up and on everything under the moon, you know, no snow, no show, Patrick Cote. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, you're, you're going to get it. And like you said, and, and like, Big dude and could skate. Obviously had NHL enough talent to get to the NHL. And he wasn't that far removed from the NHL, like two or three years. And now right. so he gets pumping his legs, flying in them old Quebec barns. And and a guy who doesn't care. Oh, like he, he'd just annihilate people. Oh, he didn't give a shit. No, and he'd cross-check you in the face. and what, He didn't care. Whatever, hit you when you're down. Or like you said, knock you out and then make fun of you while he's going to the box or step on your foot and, or step on your leg. Like He didn't give a shit. And it's like, you know, it was like his kill or be killed mentality pretty much. And, uh, yeah, and like you said, a guy that's 6'3 and like 270. And, uh, oof, that's a scary human, man. <laughs> yeah, no And kidding. it's too bad all that shit happened and he's got the issues and everything, but... Yeah, I was I was a big Cote fan. I was like, holy shit, yeah. But, it was probably uh, the first Cote in that damn league because you look at all the old old footage of like the QSPHL and every fourth person's name is fucking Cote, but he was the first one to really take <laughs> take it by storm. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Cotes and Charbonneaus all yeah, over the 98 Quebec Senior League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who are the these dimly, people? The dimly lit fucking rinks in there, and you got fans coming onto the ice and shit, fighting it out too. It's just insane. Oh, yeah. Like that... Yeah, I was like I said, like I mean, there's senior hockey all over the all over Canada here, but that and there's been fights and whatever, but like nothing like that shit can only happen in Quebec. That would only oh, last 100%. in Quebec anyway. But uh, yep. I think everybody could figure out who number one is, Joel Terrio. And it's got to be right with how long he played there and how many fight. Well, what's his fight total for that league? Uh, like, what is I, it? Two hundred eighty-three. Yeah, so it sounds about right. And I'm sure there's more because I want to say he played in the like the LHSPAA yeah. a couple times, I think. Yeah. So that's just that's of course that's just the LNH we're talking. But goddamn, he played for so many years, and people tell you too he's one of the scariest dudes. But he, he's also a showman too. So there's times where if you cross the line and you you'd know you fucked up with Terrio for sure. But then at the same time, he ultimately wanted to put on a show. And I think it was, uh, may Rand cause goddamn may Rand. I'll keep bringing him up. Cause he's was such a damn good interview for you, but he told such great stories as well. Um, uh, but you know, he's didn't know it was his first time, like fighting Terry or whatever. And he didn't know how it was going to be. And Terrio just comes up and skates fast as shit at him. And then just stops and goes, all right, let's make it a good one. <laughs> so, yep. um, just stuff like that. But Terrio was awesome, man. And, um, another dude probably could have played in the NHL. He was a great skater. Uh, just unfortunate with, um, stuff that kind of happened with him. But at the same time, you could tell he genuinely enjoyed the role and he took everybody on. It didn't matter. And as I've stated before, even and I know people love the the Morasty fight with him and that that fight with uh, what's the other one? I think it was Penner 
Yeah. Or maybe it was Ga- Pender or Rock, but it was, Gabby Rock, that one yeah. went viral where they fucking, you know, they high-fived at the end. And at that point, like, I think the Quebec League is the only league I, I don't get too, you know, oh, like eye-rolling with the whole high-fiving thing. Because at the end of the day, they had, that's what they were getting fucking paid to do. And I know NHL guys do as well, but it's a little bit different at that at that level. But um, just a lefty, and he would control the shit out of some fights and... He had some power too. If he wanted to put you down, he could definitely do it, and he did it for I, I want to say fifteen years in that league, which most like a long career in that league I think was you know five years really. And so you look at Terrio and you see fifteen years. I think the only one that comes close to him with that is um, Curtis Tidball, and as far as longevity in that league. So how, I mean, how can you not put Terrio at number one? No, exactly. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, and like I said, oh, you talk to like I, you know teammates like they're like oh, he was intense and like you beat him wide in practice, you were taking a stick, you know like yep. it, it's like he was intense and like I know pregame warm up they're like he'd be over there just shaking and screaming and ready to rock and roll and uh, yeah, like you said, did it for a long time. I really, I'd really like to um, like I have most of his Quebec stuff. I'd really like to find some old. Um, I know he had a couple NHL preseason fights. I'd love to see those. I'd like to see how he did in those. Um, and I know I've seen some of his AHL and IHL stuff. And it's interesting because it's, uh, you know, because he's still a young guy trying to find himself, right? Because you see old Joel Dario, right? And I had the fights with Terry Ryan and Sean Thornton on my YouTube channel. And it's, it's not the guy that's in Quebec. It's, right. you know, and it's, uh, so you can see how he grew into it as well. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, again, another guy. What what could what can you and I? What more can you and I say about him that hasn't been said already? And uh, you know, um, I'm a huge fan. I'd have he's number one on my list as well. And uh, he was pretty much number one on everyone's list. And if he wasn't one, right. he was two. Like I'm now, I'm kind of I don't know where my listing. I think the lowest I had him on anyone's list was four, but he was on everyone's list, and it was either one or two. But uh, oh yeah, for sure. It, what, what's funny is I swear I probably saw him play. I was just so young to, or too young to remember it. It was when we first moved down to Florida. We we lived in Jacksonville, and of course they had the Lizard Kings there, and that was the same year he was there and put up a stupid amount of pims. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I probably saw him play. I just don't remember it because I would think I was like three years old. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. But if I could find some footage like that of fucking oh yeah, um, you know the old ECHL because I think he played for the Talis was it the Tiger Sharks I think I think he yep. played for them too but yeah to get some of that old ECHL footage would be fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, skinny little Cote at twenty one or something, <laughs> or uh, skinny Terrio at twenty one. That'd be uh, yeah, no, it'd be a lot of fun to see. Yeah, I dig it. But uh, yeah, there well, there's the top ten, and I just want to throw out some honorable mentions because these guys just missed by like one or two points. Was yep. uh, Jason Hamilton, Tyler Lawson, uh, Mike Bajerney. Sean McMorrow and Manny Fichette were just all outside of the top 10. Fichette I almost put on. I know for a fact I had on um, law. I had Lawson at 10, which I know. And I, well, I had McMorrow, I think maybe at seven or seven or six. Um, Lawson was a dude. He got, if, if he probably stayed a couple more years, he'd probably be on everybody's top yep. 10, honestly. Yep. Um, but goddamn, he came in for those, you know, two and a half years or whatever it was, and he did not lose many at all. Lawson was a tough, tough motherfucker. Yeah, he was. And even when Bossy was cruising, it was like, I always tell everybody, because they were all, Bossy's the champ. I'm like, I remember it on the old message boards. I'm like, didn't beat Lawson, you know? And yep. like, yeah, he didn't. And it was like, uh, yeah. I mean, the big kid, again, I mean, unfortunately passed away, but, uh, you know, trouble off the ice and whatever, and it didn't stick around. But, uh 
you know, six five or six six. What was his nickname? Big Ugly. And uh, I mean, I've talked to play, people that played against him and stuff, and like, yeah, if he had had his shit together and head on straight, like they're like, he he should have been in the American Hockey League, like because he could play, he could skate, oh, yeah. he was big, and definitely had American Hockey League toughness. Because even at that time when you're watching him in the Quebec League, he's 21, 22. Like, he's just a kid, you know. And it's like, look what he's doing at that. Imagine him at 27, 28 and, like, giving a shit. It'd be like, oh, he'd be, he would have been vicious. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think Swanee said he was the only guy that ever really put him down. Because, of course, yep. you know, Swanson, not not the greatest fighter ever. But, you know, he took his lumps. But you never really see Swanson get knocked out, nope. and that's like the one guy. I don't think he well, he didn't knock him out cold, but he definitely he he stunned him. And Swanson will say that's that's the only guy to ever really tag me that good. Yeah, and I will say we were joking, and I know I know Swanee's listening, but um, Swanee was definitely on people's list. He was on some lists for sure. It wasn't like he was completely forgotten about. And uh, you know, again, a guy with a fight card like that. I mean, you know, he was definitely fought everybody. Um, same with McMorrow. I mean, McMorrow was, I mean, the number of fights, he probably, I wonder if he actually has them. Wow. But he had the, yeah, he missed a bunch of time. I was going to say, I wonder if he actually has the most fights ever, but now I'm thinking as soon as I said that, like Dubé, well, no, Dubé has the most fights ever. What am I talking about? Or actually, I guess it would be, uh, bro, Mike, is it, is it Mike bro or Brault? I've always said Brault. I've I worked with a guy that I was think that's Brault. Like the I think that's the English pronunciation yeah. because it's like Terrio. There's no, there's no like th sound in French, so I think it, I think it's like bro. I think it's how you technically say it. Yeah, because I work, like I said, I work with a guy with that last name, and he goes by Brault. And I remember, I remember, I've always said Mike Brault. I think it was May- Mayrad gets so mad at me the way I pronounce <laughs> French names, and it's like bro. I guess he he would probably have the most fights. And then Dubé, I know second. Well, I know Tidball isn't that far behind them either. Yeah. Tidball had a shit ton. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Well, that was honorable mentions. And I will say, and I know he takes a lot of heat. I've had guests on that they hate Jason Hamilton. They've said it. They didn't like him. And uh, he's not very well liked in terms of the guys that I've had on. But dude could hit. He was a tough dude. And uh, he had some great fights. He was a tough guy. And I could see yep, why. Went toe-to-toe toe with the uh, the stick in, in the penalty box versus Link Gates too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and of course, Bajerni of, of famously from the Chiefs movie, um, you know, he was definitely sort of a, a pre-LNAH guy. He was more of the Quebec Senior League um, with the infamous Chiefs and living in the rink and everything else. Mike, if you're listening to the show, you need to get back to me. I want to get you on the show. We've talked about it how many times. I'd love to have Bajerni on my show. Um, but, yeah, definitely kind of one of those early pioneers of that league. Oh yeah, for sure. And the, the the team he was on with him and Henderson and Craig Martin and everybody, and that was kind of I, I think without them, the LNH wouldn't be what it is or what it got to yep. probably because yep. the Chiefs are the ones who kind of took it and ran with it. So they're definitely. I actually wanted to say that is like I I don't think I put it on my list with you, but I, I, my honorable mention was like the Chiefs as a whole because you wouldn't have the LNH without the Chiefs in my opinion. You'd probably get the. The off, you know, <laughs> like we mentioned before, the the Charbonneau Cote, you know, Cote the fifteenth fight in the dimly lit Quebec Arena. But I don't think the names and the people that came to the Quebec League would have been there without the uh, the Chiefs. So I, I kind of had that team as a whole as like kind of an honorable mention. No, absolutely, yeah, and like you said, because they were the ones that really all of a sudden loaded up and had like six, seven, eight guys and just like. You know, it was almost like gang fighting, and these other teams had maybe one or two locals, 
You know, and it's like, oh shit, well, we better start opening up the purse strings here and bringing guys in. And that's when the influx of like the money started happening and, and, and bigger names started coming to the league and you'd yep. get them from the States. Right. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and that's how you would get your, uh, your Sugdens and, and, and all them and, and Morastis and stuff and Cotes. But yeah, it, um, yeah. So definitely the Chiefs are probably the ones to thank for that without a doubt. And, uh, who's your, oh, Fachette. Well, you mentioned him as well, but yeah. And guy, if, if another thing I always said to people, if you want to be entertained, go yep. on YouTube and look up Manny Fachette fights. Cause that dude was like, uh, you know, same size as Morasti. But he was about 180 pounds, and but just give her, man. And he would go and just wide open, toe-to-toe fighter. And he was a lot of fun to watch, too. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. For Shetton, he had that really good stint there with, uh, I think it was St. Hyacin. Yep. I think with, uh, with the old top design of yep. those fucking jerseys. But, yeah, it was him, uh, McMorrow, and Termini were kind of like the big guys for that that team at the time. And, yeah, fuck, for Shet was good, man. Like you said, toe-to-toe, and he'd give it hell. Yo, and he had great. I have a couple of them on my YouTube channel. I know John has some on his, but yeah, the fights with him and Morasti are awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, and Fischette was around a long time. You know, he lived in the area. I know he's a big, he's a big construction guy actually. And yeah, just walk off the construction site, put the hard hat away, put the skates on, and go fight a couple times on a, on a Friday night. You know, <laughs> it's just like I don't know how I don't know how those guys did it, man. I really don't like. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, it's and it was so funny because at the time when you were living in it and going through it, it was almost like it was just taken for granted. Like you just didn't think about it. But you look at how much hockey has changed now, and I know even the Quebec League's still around, but it's not not knocking the guys in it. But it's 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 nowhere near the same of what it was. No, not not even close. But it's like, um, look, you just look at these NHL. Like these guys were fighting more than teams. Like whole teams didn't fight this much. Well, I mean, not now. I mean, shit. Now there's. I think oh, yeah, I, I looked Ottawa led with 23 fights. I mean, really? 23? I mean, you know, these guys would have that after a month, you know. And I'm, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's the way it was. But it's like, yeah, you look back and it's like, well, like you said, Bedard, 302 fights. And like Parker, 75 fights in a year. What did McMorrow have? 86 fights. And Swanee at 70 fights. That's in a season. Right, it's like that shit's unheard of now. I think what well because the most the most for a single season in the in the NHL was Paul Loss, right, with thirty three. I think. Yeah, well, I want to say it's forty three actually. I think because I think Nyland had forty one. I think, but that's probably with preseason as well. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, at I the very least, weird they don't include that. But yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, okay, we'll thing. say like thirty five or whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's like dudes average that a year in the Quebec League, and they did it like five, six years in a row, you know, or you have Dubé with like 50 and 40 and 62 and, you know, well, like I was saying with Swanee when I had him on the show, you you had 70 fights and didn't lead the league. <laughs> exactly. Like that was your doing? Parker at 75. It's yep. like, what are we doing here? You know, like, <laughs> so that's just, I mean, that's just between those two. Yeah, you know that's that's around what 100 going to be about 150 fights. I think I saw the other day the total for the NHL as of right now was like 194 fights. I think so. They're already that's just two guys alone is almost at the the total for an entire league of the NHL, and that was just one season for them. So yeah. that's, it's just it's insane to think of now. Oh, I know. Like I said, when like my friend Kurt coached Laval there in 0506, and the locals were giving him shit because they didn't fight enough. 
And the Laval <laughs> Chiefs led the league in fights, and I believe they had 314. <laughs> and the fans were mad they weren't fighting enough. It's like, oh my God, will you people? And that's actually only, and that's like Cote missing three quarters of the year. And they had that many. Imagine if he had been healthy the whole time. You know, they'd be about 350. And it was just like, oh man. Yeah, it's, uh, imagine a team having 300 fights. Like, come on. You know, and then the other teams had like 290, 280, two, you know, of course, then Tetford's at the bottom. You yeah, know, I oh, I always say the, the puss team with like 209. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. They're the soft team. You know, it's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, oh, only the Quebec League, man. Only oh, the Quebec. It's a, it was a, what a time to live in, and like you said, it, it doesn't even seem real anymore. Like you go back and you watch the old footage, and it's just like you see these brawls, and it's just like, is this even real? Like it's like this is like video game shit. This is like Blades of Steel come to life. I will say, I'm still trying to catch a game. Maybe it might, it might be this year. Hopefully, we'll see. I'm still trying to at least catch an LNH game because I think the the league in, in itself is kind of uh, this is. I think it's maybe got another five years. And it's I, I won't say prime, but I, I don't I don't know how much longer that league itself will last. Maybe it'll last because it's kind of you know more my, uh, excuse me more so like a weekendish league, like you said, you know, finish your job, oh, go get paid to play a couple games of hockey. So maybe it will last. But as in terms of guys who have been there for a while, like you got uh, like Cloutier and uh, Lacroix, guys like that, I think they're they're really going to be on their way out here in the next two years. So I'm at least trying to catch one game just to say I've been. Um, so hopefully, hopefully everything kind of opens back up this year. We'll see what happens. You know, obviously everything's got to be safe with COVID. So got to keep that in mind. But yeah, I'm still trying to catch a game. I got to get your ass over there. Well, me, you and Searson got to go over there. Maybe we'll, maybe if Jay's lucky, we'll we'll let him tag along from Iowa. <laughs> well, we'll be kicked out by before the first period. Before it even That's starts. I, yeah, I told I told Searson, I was like, well, maybe we should just start fucking saving up for bail money now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that'd be a, a hell of a trip. And I, yeah, I've always kicked myself for not going. And I had the opportunity in 05, the peak of violence, and I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, you could have seen it. Oh, I could have been right there. Oh, I would have had inside access. It was, yes, unfortunately, damn work and everything else. But, and, and like I said, you, you just, back then, you're night, you just, you assume shit's going to last forever and it'll always be like this. And like, you just, oh, how wrong we were. But, uh, oh, well. At least you got the videos to see it anyway. and uh, Exactly. But, uh, no, man, I appreciate you taking time. I know you got to go tee off here, so I won't keep you much longer. But uh, thank you for coming on and doing this. And uh, always fun having you on. And, uh, yeah, one of these nights when we have more time, we'll uh, I'll definitely get, get you back on. And oh, it's great sure, to see man. that you're coming back, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And I'm looking forward to you know, kind of getting back into the swing of the things with podcasting and everything like that. So, uh, you know, again, to those, those who sent messages or, you know, kind of pumped for the podcast coming back, I, I do appreciate it. And, um, you know, thanks for giving me an excuse to sit here and talk for, uh, you know, about an hour bullshitting about the LNH on a Saturday. <laughs> Not many better Saturdays than that. <laughs> there you go, man. All right. I'll let you go, Alec. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good one, man. You too. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 